Lord, Lord, we do thank you for another day. We thank you for the privilege of meeting in this space and being with one another and making new friendships and growing in life together with your people. Lord, thank you for those who are even visiting this morning, stopping in. God, you know their heart, you know their life, you know their needs, and you, in your love, you brought them here for purposes that are beyond even what any one of us could plan. So God, thank you that you're the good shepherd, you care for your sheep, so we can just stay with you and lie down in pastures that are flush and just green and ready to receive new life. Lord, we ask you, even now, with the cares that we have, that you'll put grace over them so that we can hear what you have to say and live in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 So this year we are learning what it means to live a life that's worthy of the calling that we've received. If you've been with us, we're looking at Paul's letter to this church and it transitions from chapters 1 through 3 to chapters 4 through 6. First part, a lot of it is about what God has done for us. And the last part, a lot of it is about how we live that out. And so that Ephesians 4 verse 1 is critical for us in our life as God's people. We want to live in. We want to live a life that's worthy. We want to walk a walk that's worthy of what God has done, of the calling that we received in Jesus. And so we're looking these first 10 weeks of the year at 10 different things that Paul writes out, very specific things that are true about you, that are true about me, so that we can not just hear about them and know about them, but actually walk in them. And so God's called us in a big picture to live and love more like Jesus. The Bible says, and Ephesians 4 particularly says, we're in Christ. We're in him. That means we belong to Jesus, we belong to Jesus' people, and so we can live in a new way, and that's good news. So part one of this last week was about this reality. We are one in Jesus. That's what we looked at all last week. We're one. We're not disjointed. God's united us. We're in Jesus. We belong to him, and we actually belong to one another. So we saw last week the implication is that we grow together. doesn't mean you can't grow on your own. doesn't mean you don't read your Bible by yourself. But God's primary uh, fueling way to grow your closeness to him is to bring you around other people. And as they're following Jesus and you're following Jesus, we shape one another. So we want to be intentional, if we're one, to live as one. That makes sense. What's the right response? We, we saw it last week. To keep. Paul says, keep the unity of the Spirit, of the spirit in the bond of peace. Continue on. We didn't start this, but if the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is in me, what's our responsibility? Is to continue this beautiful thing God started. Default mode is to fall apart. Isn't it true? Companies lose unity in their leadership team. They fall apart. Great athletes on the greatest team, highest contract, most paid, don't always win. I was talking about the NFL yesterday. Don't always win. It's not the highest paid team, but there's something about unity in a team that will bring the right result. And um, so we're united. But that doesn't mean we're cookie cutter. That doesn't mean like we're the same. To say that we're one in Jesus does not mean that we're clones. And that's what I want to look at uh, this morning, Ephesians 4. And we'll start in verse 7. That's where we ended last week. Verse 7 says, but to each of us, grace has been given as Jesus Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and then a quote, 
When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then there's a little parenthesis. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe and the little parentheses. We'll get to that later. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature or mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Why is this important? Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, so here's the alternative, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that's Jesus Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's what we want to look at this morning. Here's every week we're doing the same thing. One identity statement and then what that means and then how to live that out. So let's start with the identity statement. If there's one thing you're going to write down, write this down. It's simple, four words. We are gifted differently. We are gifted differently. Now when I say gifts, don't immediately think talents. Like I was born with the ability to or man, isn't she great at that? You know, I was I happened to be at Nike on Friday meeting with a friend, and they had some of their women's Olympic athletes uh, around, and they're walking around the building. And I have to say, I was quite intimidated by the awesomeness. I was quite intimidated about how unfit I am <laughs> compared to these ladies. But don't think that. Don't think like gifts, like innate abilities and talents that there's no way we can acquire. No, no. We are united in Jesus. We belong together, but... We are gifted, enabled differently. Look at verse 7. But to each one, each one of us, grace. Grace and gift here are synonyms. Grace. Each one has been grace. Each one has been gifted. How? As Jesus, the Messiah, as Christ, has apportioned it or given it out. Here's what that means. Let me be really clear. Grace is given to every Jesus follower. Every single one. And this is going to hopefully open up new opportunities for you in your walk in following Jesus. Because I think for too long, it's been two clubs. The ones with gifts. The ones with grace. The ones who do the stuff. The ones who get stage time or write books or do podcasts or have a million followers. There's, there's the, the graced ones. And then there's just me. And I'm not in that club and... Man, I don't even know if I want to be in that club, but that's not me. And what we want to do is read the Bible and understand what it is saying. And what it is saying is to each one grace is given. Everyone is graced. 
which means everyone is gifted. So they're synonyms. Look at end of verse 7. Each one grace is given as Jesus apportions it. That's why it says when he, quote, ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts or grace to his people. Each one. Don't miss that. The passage is not about a few. It's about everyone. And if we don't get that, we may be limiting God. You know, we limit God all the time. Now, don't hear me. God is all powerful. He's bigger than us. Right? Our God is so great and strong and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do for you. Woo! You know, like, our God is so great. Yet, we limit him. That's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. We put limiters on what God wants to do through you. And what I just want, to, I want us to get this morning is we shouldn't. We should, we should knock out these barriers in our mind that say God can't do that through me. I want you to be slightly selfish in the best sense of the word. You matter to God. You've been graced by God. You've been given the same Holy Spirit that every single other believer has been given. So, so this grace is for you. Now, I've been using the word grace a lot. The problem with the word, or any word, is it has multiple meanings. Faith has multiple meanings. Grace has multiple meanings. And I've just been throwing that word out. Let me define it as it is in Ephesians. There are two primary words, uses for the word grace. And I want you to write these down. First is saving grace. What does grace mean in Ephesians? It means that God's amazing goodness freely giving, given to undeserving people. That's the, the primary use, especially in the first half of the letter. There is saving grace. Now, the word in the Bible isn't saving grace. I'm defining it. Grace that rescues. And, and that is God's amazing goodness. Amazing goodness. That's freely given to undeserving people. We have nothing and God lavishes us with what? Look at a couple, I'm just going to give you a couple of verses, write them down, Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We're forgiven, we're free. Our sin debt is paid in full. It's wiped out as far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed our sins from us, he remembers our sins no more. Grace. That's saving grace. Ephesians 2.8, for it's by grace that you have been rescued, saved. Through faith, it's not from yourself, it's gift. So that's the, that's the part we mostly get. God's initiative in bringing us to himself is saving grace. So God forgives, God rescues, God frees, God gives new life. We get that. That's only one dimension, though, and that's only one dimension in Ephesians. The grace he's talking about here in Ephesians 4 is not saving grace. What is he talking about? He's talking about serving grace. What's serving grace? It's God's enabling presence to serve others. God has enabling presence, realness, to help other people. And what I want us to remember is God's saving grace and God's serving grace. They come from him, but they both matter. They're both huge in your development as a follower of Jesus. And if you want to step into the things that God wants you to do, you got to remember he has enabled you with his very presence to help people. What am I talking about? Look, look specifically Ephesians 3.2. Surely you've heard about the administration 
or the working of God's grace that was, and this is what Paul says, that was given to me for you. God gives you enabling presence. I'm saying enabling presence rather than just saying gifts. Because when I say gifts, you think Christmas, like it's mine, 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 mine. Or talents, like, yeah, I was just born this way and, you know, I'm really good at that. You're not, but I'm really good at that. No, enabling presence. God the Spirit is enabling you with himself to help people. And that's what Paul says. You, you heard about this enabling presence of God. Enabling to do what? Plant churches, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead. Amazing stuff. God did that. And that's what he lets the church know. Ephesians 3.8, although I'm, I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, it's not false humility, Paul remembers what he was. He was a blasphemer and a murderer. He hated Jesus. Because even though I'm the least, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Paul says, not everyone's called to go to these other places and preach the good news. I am. And there's something beautiful in every believer when you come to the realization is I've been graced, enabled by the presence of God to do fill in the blank. For most of you, it's not one. Oh, this is good. It's not one. You don't have one thing. I pray. That's all I do. I, I, no, it's probably a cluster, a grouping of various things. And what God does is he could do anything through you, but often he has this, this sphere of things. He happens to do through you a lot. And that's a beautiful thing. So we're one in Jesus. That's our first foundational truth. And we're gifted differently. And both of those are important. We're connected, but we're unique. So Paul's called to preach. And I would just ask you, what are the callings of God? Callings of God that he's enabling you to do because he's with you. And he's saying, now, I'm doing these things because I want you to help other people. I'm, I'm caring for others through you. And it's just going to look different. So where does Paul get this idea? Because it sounds amazing. But I love the Bible because sometimes you read the Bible and you realize, wow, Paul is reading the Bible and gives us the Bible. Paul quotes from Psalm 68. I encourage you on your own today, read Psalm 68. It is, it is a, an amazing psalm about a king, about a king who smashes the enemy, about a king who's victorious, about a king we could trust. And it says it's a psalm of David but Paul, reading the Bible in light of Jesus, realizes this is about more than David, that I could come to the king and the king provides rescue. No, it's the great king. God is the one we can trust and God is the one who fights our battles and God is the one who has these gifts and God is the one. And he's reading Psalm 68, probably in prison writing this letter. And the Holy Spirit of God opens his eyes to realize, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. So he quotes, look at verse 8. This is why we have grace to serve. Here's why. Because he, and it quotes from Psalm 68, he ascended on high and he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then he talks about he ascended, which means he descended to the lower regions and then he ascended. Now, if you look carefully at, at Psalm 68, Paul, he, he doesn't change this. But he actually reorients the direction of Psalm 68 in light of Jesus. Because in Psalm 68, it's about the king receiving these gifts. 
not giving them. The king receives these gifts because the king is exalted. But in light of Jesus and the sending of the Holy Spirit, he sees that the fulfillment of Psalm 68 is that Jesus now gives these gifts. He has all the gifts. And he gives these enablements to his people so that the kingdom is populated by people who serve one another. It's Psalm, Psalm 68 is just a, a pointer to Jesus. And, and Paul's able to connect the dots. And guess what? We can connect the dots now. Because we could read Psalm 68 and we could read Ephesians 4 and know that this is about a king with power and the power is in the king and the king is now enabling his people to live in his presence and do as well. Isn't this cool? You are part of God's people, which means you're enabled by God, which is incredible. Now, how are we enabled? What does this look like? He gives us an example. Look at verse 11. He gives us very concrete. So Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service. And this is a beautiful thing. He lists five ways that, that this body is made up. And he, the apostles, early on, you see in the Bible, they're out pioneering new fields, new works, new places, new churches. They're being used in powerful ways. And the prophets are speaking the word and the will of God. And the evangelists are inviting people, come to Jesus. Come, follow him. You're invited. You're welcome. You can come. Come right now. And then you have the pastors who are giving shepherding care, love, and teaching, instructing, showing what the truth of the word is so that we can live it out. And so when we read things like this, I ask myself, you ask yourself, am I one of those or not? Can I just suggest that's the wrong question? If you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. I'm a Sunday morning philosopher. If you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. The wrong question to ask is, man, am I an apostle? Am I a prophet? Am I an evangelist? Am I a pastor? Am I a teacher? Because those are the people that God has graced. And unfortunately, it's how we often read it, and it's how I often share it. But what we want to do is read the whole Bible to get the whole story. And here's the whole Bible. If you just read what we read, verse 7 says, Jesus apportions grace to everybody. So these are just examples of grace. They're not the only ways. How do I know that? It's the only time you see the list of these five people in one shot. In fact, it's the only time you see the word evangelist. So if this is Paul's default go-to, if you're one of the five, you're in the club. If you're not, you're just a servant and a low one at that. Then we, he would repeat it to the other churches. Here's the problem. He doesn't. You read Romans 12. You read uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And he gives these listings of gifts, gifts, and they're totally different. I'll just look at the one in Romans. You can look at the one in 1 Corinthians 12 yourself. Romans 12, verse 4 to 8. I have it on the screen for you. Just as each one... Unless there's one body with many members, and these members do, don't all have the same function, so in Jesus Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. So we have different gifts, different graces, according to the grace God's given each of us. Notice, they're almost synonyms, gift and grace. So if your gift or your grace is prophesying, prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So prophesying, encouragement, serving, teaching. 
mercy, leading, all these things, all of them are grace. They're not all the same. And guess what? The body needs all of them to thrive. So what we need to do is ask the right questions so we can get the right answer. The wrong question is, am I one of the, one of the five? Or do I, do I have grace to do anything? And rather than say, God, because you've graced everyone through Jesus, what are the areas that you most want me to serve other people with? And then walk in those. We need to be careful not to elevate uh, Elevate some above the others. Now, I don't want to minimize God's calling as well. He called Paul an apostle. And that's amazing and that's great. And he does call people to all sorts of specific works. Ironically, in most of the letters, he doesn't say, hey, to the apostles and the evangelists and the prophets and the teachers in the church. Most often, he says to the elders. Most often, he says to the elders and deacons. Now, why am I confusing you with all these terms? Because I love to confuse people. It's it's the joy of my heart. No, I'm throwing all these names out there to make the point. There are lots of expressions of grace. Eldering is grace. Deaconing is grace. Serving in the kids' area with the flu running around is grace. All of it's grace. Setting up chairs is grace. Inviting people in your home Welcome them with hospitality is grace. Doing your job well and being the kind of person that your bosses say, I wish everyone was like them, is grace. Because when you live that way, the why comes up and your why is Jesus. Because Jesus says, do everything as unto me. So I'm going to serve you as unto Jesus. They may fire you for that or they may promote you. Time will tell. So pastors are important, but so is everybody else. So as a church, we're very aware that titles mean something. So we're very not anti-title. We just don't get into them. We're about functions. So I function in various areas. And so don't call me pastor. No, if you want to be nice, you could, but don't be nice. Just call me Jose. Here's why. I am a person. And I'm, I'm also a husband and I'm also a father. And I teach the Bible and I try to tell as many people about Jesus as possible. And I do a few other things mediocre. We're humans who've been graced. Does that make sense? All right, so what's the goal? So okay, we, We've gotten to this. We know what we're talking about. Ephesians 4.11 is not about, it's not about only exclusive people have this ability. It's actually an example of everyone has God-given enablements. What's the goal of the gifts? Look, look at verse 12. To equip, middle of verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. So Paul gives us two primary reasons why everyone has grace. The first is to equip. So God in whatever way he's enabled you, is enabling you not for you. The point of having these these empowering presences, the Holy Spirit living in us, is never for us. So we need to be very careful, especially, can I just say to you, those of you who are very good at what you do, and, and God's grace on your life is obvious, and people see it, and like, wow, you're amazing at that. Be very careful not to point the spotlight on you. 
as I stand in the spotlight. Don't be careful. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Because why? It's not my gift. It's God's enablement. It's God's presence. But, but, but I'm here for you. So the role of leadership, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers, and deacons, and elders, and everyone else, all those things, I think God's using all of those things right now and more, like showing mercy and leading and administrating, which is a weird one, but some of you have it. You have it. All these things are for the body, to grow everyone. So remember, the goal of the gift is that if he's enabled you to do it, it's not just for you. By the way, though, when you're working in what God's enabled you to do, it's amazing. You put me on a stage in front of thousands of people, and I tell you, I am lit up like a firecracker. I can sense like God is here. Now, he's always with us. But if I'm in front of a crowd of mostly non-Jesus people, and I've been given the opportunity to speak, I feel like God's like, come on, buddy. It's me and you. Like, I'll let you use your tongue, but here I am. And that's a beautiful thing. So what do you do? When God's graced you, get in it as much as you can. Don't waste it. It's God's, he's going to show you the delight of his presence when you're actually saying, yeah, I'm going to go with your grace in my life. It's why we're frustrated when we're not able to use the enablements that God's given us. You get frustrated, you get twitchy. Maybe you don't get twitchy. Well, you should because you are wired for it. So you can respond to God by saying, God, I know these areas are your grace. Help me to do it more because I want to. It's life-giving for you. But the second part is so that the body of Christ may be built up. So God meets the needs of his people through his people, which makes sense. So everyone's important, everyone's graced, and it's for others, and it's to build each other up. Your gifts are not to tear down. Now, those with prophetic insight have to be especially careful. Because you get these words that are from God. But just remember, those words are to build up. Now, building up sometimes requires that you get rid of idols. Okay, so uh, there, there are moments where you have to speak the truth. But remember, so speaking the truth in love, we together are built up. So whatever your graces are, multiple, you do them in love. And if you read the Bible, that's exactly how the body works. All throughout the Bible, in the first part of the Bible, in the Old Testament, it's the people of God, Israel, together. Twelve different tribes serving one another. In the New Testament, you see that it is the church, this ragtag group of people from all walks of life who God unites to one, diversely gifted, and they build each other up. Now, why does this matter? Verse 14, this is huge. Then you'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there, every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Have you ever met someone? I think most of us have been Christian for a while. You know someone who's kind of in and out. They just don't stick. They're just kind of here. They're just kind of there. And they, their life seems to be blown around. They're like thrilled, excited, and they're like, man, God's amazing. And then two months later, eh, I don't know. Well, Paul says... That kind of living, that blown away, is primarily from the mind. 
Notice what they're blown away by. Every wind of thinking, teaching, deceitful scheming, if we're not grounded in the mind, our legs will follow. If in your mind, your life is not being renewed by the love of God and the word of God and the will of God, your mind will take you to places you never imagined. So he's saying, how do we keep in the love of God? How do we stay in the love of Jesus? How do we live this out? We stay close to one another. Write this down. Jesus' people keep us connected to Jesus. This is massive. Jesus' people, us, keep us connected to Jesus. Jesus loves us. He's always with us. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. But in order to actually walk in the grace that God's given me and to live out the calling God's given me, I need Jesus, people, because take any isolated part of the body and remove it, and it's going to die, right? If you cut off my arm from the lifeblood of the rest of my body, it will be there for a while, and you'll watch it shrivel and die. The body needs the body, and in the same way, you need Jesus, people. They're not just like a nice tack-on. You actually, you know, if you want to stay close to Jesus, you actually need Jesus' people. So the greatest danger is isolation. So this year, you will be tempted in the mind to believe that there are more important things than Jesus' people in your life. It's going to happen here. In your mind, that thing, those people those enjoyable experiences, those important goals, those very urgent business matters are going to impact your mind. And in your mind, you're going to actually believe, I don't need as much time with these Jesus people because these things are valuable. And that's a deceitful scheme of the enemy that wants to pull you away from the closeness of the body. Now, I'm not saying hang out in a coffee shop with Christians all day and don't be productive. Please be productive. But be balanced and follow the Holy Spirit and realize you need the body. Now, how do we live this out as a church? Because the visual at the end of this is enormous. Christ is the head. We are the body like ligaments. We're all being built up together in him. We already belong to Jesus. So how are we going to live this out? Every church, now I'll get very personal, Every local church has to figure that out. And you think this is easy. You would think getting all of you and another gathering this size right after you, you think that everyone just listens. Everyone just follows along. Just here's the path. We've got a trail of donut holes leading you to life. But you know what? Here's our path. And I'm asking you to walk in it. It's not the only path. I'm not even going to suggest it's the best path, but it's ours. And by grace through faith, we believe this is our path to growth, and it's called community groups. So our primary path as a church is not our Sunday gatherings. Our Sunday gatherings are a path to now think about how to live it out with other people. And so this morning, this is just kind of family talk, and then we want to tease this out and worship Jesus in response. We've been doing, we used to call them different names. We, we're stuck with the word community group because it's the broadest and easiest. And our community groups have been the heartbeat since the beginning of the church. We started them before we actually started meeting on Sundays. 
And so they, they used to be ongoing indefinitely. So if you joined a group, it was till death do you part. And that has some bonuses. It has, actually has some downsides too. Uh, every group did their own thing, which has some bonuses and it has some downsides. And the greatest feedback we got was from newer people saying, I'm kind of confused. Uh, this one's doing that, that one's doing that. And it's, 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 I want to connect. It's hard. So we've been listening to feedback, praying like crazy. And so it, it used to be like, like if you wanted to get in one, like a bad dating app. If, if, you, if you can connect with the right person, great, but it's weird and just feel dirty at the end. You know, anyway, it's just a joke. Uh, it, it was hard. Not that hard, but a good joke helps. <laughs> Especially before I hit you in the head. Now we made it, we've made it streamlined on purpose. Not to make it easy and that it doesn't matter, but to actually make it more accessible because it does matter. So here's the plan for this year. We're going to meet in these sessions. We're, we're starting our winter session on the first week of February. And so what we're going to do is we've opened up signups, if you've read this, today. So on the, if you're already in a group, great, just keep going. If you're not in a group, you could actually now go to the site, see the photos of the people leading it or hosting it. It kind of gives a little bit of where they are in stage of life. So if you, if you want to be with other young marrieds, you don't have to be. If you want to be with those with little ones and spread germs like crazy, fine. We have groups for that too. All of these groups, we just want to make it accessible. And now, it used to be you have to email us and then we email you back and then try this, try that, try the other. Now it's like you go on there, you can, you can join the group right there. You click on, it's going to lead you to your phone number. Uh, why your phone number? Because that's how we can identify you. And then it's going to lead you to your email address. And when you sign up for the group, it's going to create an account. It took me, I did it this morning, making up a name and a number just to see if it works. And it took me like three minutes. And click, 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 and you do that once. And then that group's going to go for seven weeks, just seven. Why seven? It's beautiful. Seven days, come on. Seven weeks. And in that, we're going to follow the community. Most of them are following the community group study guide. And so you come on Sunday, you get the guide, and then you know what's going to be talked about. There's no surprises. You could come prepared if you want to, or you could come eager to learn from someone else. And the goal is that they're small enough where you can participate. So some of the groups are closed, not because they don't like you, it's because we're capping it to 14 adults because we realize in order for everyone to have a moment to talk, you have to cap the size. So that's seven weeks. The commitment is seven weeks. And then there's a break because the thing called spring break. And then they're off. And then you're done. You're going to be invited in week seven of that group to do this. Would you like to continue in the next session? Spring will start three weeks later. Do you want to stay with us? Great. Yes. You don't have to do anything. Just when it starts, go back to that group. Or if... If the part of town or the night of week or whatever didn't work out, you could join a totally different group in the spring for seven weeks. The goal is that ultimately you're going to find your grace spot, your people, and you won't hop around. And eventually you're going to find your people and you're going to grow and we'll do a fall session and a winter session and a spring session. And in the summer, hang out as you can, but most Oregonians leave. 
to the mountains or the coast or whatever. And so you're welcome to meet if you want, but we won't do the guides. Does that make sense? That's our primary tool. Is it the only way we grow? No, but it's the primary way we grow. So if you're asking, but what about, well, don't you do this group and don't you do that group and don't you do this group and don't you do that group? No, small menu, awesome. Excellently done, top notch, and everything else that you want to do, go find a way to do it. Fantastic. We're part of the larger body. And so there are other, you, do you know you can do a Bible study at another church and not be a heretic? Why are we like, well, why don't you offer that? Because we're not good at that. But we're good at this. So this is our way and everything else, let's grow up in the faith. And if you need extra, go find it, rejoice, and contribute as God enabled you. This is like, feel released. Don't feel like everything's here. Oh, my people, I need everything here. No, grow up. All right, so that was harsh. Speaking the truth and love, growing God's grace. All right, so that's, that's community groups. That's one thing. But we also want to build up our team because our team's job is not to do maturing for you. Our staff, it's not my job to grow you in your faith. It's not our pastor or our staff's job to do the ministry. No, the ministry is unleashing you to following God's grace in your life. That is our high calling. So we're, we're going to announce this morning, I was going to do it last week, but this doesn't fit better here. Two new uh, staff members that started this month, and I'm going to invite them both to come up at the same time, wherever you are, uh, Margaret Rhodes and Jake Sartain. Why don't you welcome them as they come? Great. Can you grab uh, the mic, if you would? And so, great. Uh, Welcome, guys. And so, yeah, a little woo and a who and a woo. I will right, we'll start with Jake because uh, Jake, you're not from here. Where, where you? Where'd you move here from? I should say. Well, good morning, church. Uh, like you said, I'm Jake, and we are from Medford, Southern Oregon. Um, yeah. I was working at a church as a pastor there for about nine years, and God and His grace opened up this incredible door for me and my family. My wife Haley uh, is right there. Um, but yeah, we're really thrilled to be Two here. Two beautiful kids, and, and they really yep. are beautiful. Yep. Chase, my son is four, and Bria, my daughter's two. That's cool. So, so. Uh, now Chase, come on as our director of youth. Everyone on our team does multiple things. going to focus on youth. You've done a lot of work with youth in Southern Oregon, high school and middle school, although much more is going to be working with our communities team and unleashing you to the grace that God's given you uh, to serve. So Jake's not here to do the work for you. He's here to help you by the Spirit be enabled to God's grace in your life and to unleash you to do it. And then Margaret, most of you know Margaret. If you don't, boy, you've been missing out. Uh, Margaret Rhodes. Thank you. Why don't you come in the limelight because you're like off in the shadows. And uh, why don't you do the spotlights even close. Look, this is amazing. <laughs> wow, the glow. Okay, sorry. I could, well, I can't help it. I could, but I won't. Margaret, so uh, tell us a little bit about your family and your experience here. You've been here for a long time. Yeah, we've been here um, a little over seven years. And... My family's right, kind of in yeah. Their family definitely. There. If you want to join the um, the group, they're right over here. All of them, eighty six of them, not eighty six, but you 18. got at least eighteen of them. And so you've been married how many years, you and Monty? Forty one in December. Forty one years in December. Years. I know. And doesn't look a year over thirty. Uh, <laughs> so in this, you're uh, our director of women. Uh, that means you don't tell women what to do. It just simply means. God's enabled you with really a heart for prayer 
and helping people step in, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes. Yeah. And yeah. so what, what is it going to look like? We don't, we don't know. Here's the beauty. We, we don't like, here's the plan. So we brought on some godly people, men and women, to say, okay, by the Spirit together, we're all going to pray and figure out the best way to unleash you to God's work. So here's what we're going to do. Usually we'd have a moment where we, we uh, have everybody pray for them. But I want to ask you this question, and then they're going to pray for you to flip it. This makes sense. Let me just ask you the question, what are you doing right now with God's gifts? What are you doing with God's grace? Do you even know that you have it? If not, hopefully this morning's been helpful, instructive, encouraging for you. If you do and you know it, are you operating in it? Now look, disclaimer, the moment you have an infant, all bets are off. God's grace is to be a mom or a dad. And if that means less of the other stuff, you'll feel angst. You will. That's the Holy Spirit saying, give it time. Diapers will end. But as time goes on, don't make that an excuse to say you can't do anything. So, but for the rest of us, we need to be empowered. So in that, what we're going to do is we're going to identify one group that has said their grace. And, and I'm going to have Margaret this morning pray for them. If you're one of our community group leaders or hosts, I'm going to ask you, be kind enough, you and your spouse, if they're here with you or if you have a spouse, could you stand, if you would, please? We want our community group, if you're hosting, if you're leading, oh, please, don't, like, you're awesome. Come on. Thank them. It's amazing. Wow. Oh, it's wonderful. This is so, this is so good. These, I'm not suggesting that these are the, the most godly people you've ever met, although we hope they are. These are people who simply stepped and said, God's given me grace to invite people into our house and talk about Jesus together. So we want to honor them. The, the season, this next session is about to begin. Margaret's going to, why don't you just pray for these leaders and us as a church that will respond uh, to join groups and love Jesus together. Father, thank you for these brothers and sisters, Lord, that just represent you and um, Jesus' people connect us to Jesus. And I know what our community group has done for us and just the prayers we've seen answered, Lord, and just the times in prayer when things are really raw and scary or broken and just the times of triumph and victory. Lord, and I just ask that you would pour out favor on these people that have just stood up and said yes they want to serve our community in this way Lord we, I thank you and I ask that you would bless them and I pray Lord for everybody in here that's either connected in a group or um, hasn't yet that um, you would grow the ones that are in and the ones that aren't just draw them they have nothing to lose but everything to gain just thank you I just ask that you would just come and just Continue to bless, bless our body, Lord. It's just growing and it's beautiful, and people, we're growing deeper in you, deeper in love with you, and as we're transparent and vulnerable before you with our brothers and sisters, Lord, you are just doing beautiful, amazing things. I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Thank you. Uh, so. Here's thank, thanks. Why don't you guys? Why don't the rest of you stand? That's totally cool. You are already standing. Everyone else, we're gonna we're gonna transition to worship. Oh, okay, uh, I I want you to take a moment, both uh, 
Jake and Margaret will be at our Get Connected. You see in the signs as you walk out. There's some tables right there. They'll be on the left and the right. Welcome them. Introduce yourself to them. Our team is here to serve you in the sense of helping you identify what the Spirit's already doing and send you out there to do it. And now we want to respond. The reason we're transitioning to doing more worship on the back half is hopefully by now you're stirred to action. Like, God, what are you gracing me for? Well, as we worship, we believe that the Spirit speaks. And so allow the Spirit to speak to you. If you're not yet a Christian, follow Jesus right now. Just do it. Follow Him. Because His saving grace is what enables you to serve. And so just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. You know my story, you my sin, my shame, but I want to follow you. And if by faith you say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Lord and the King, and you forgive me of all my wrongdoing, he'll set you free and set you on the path to life. Lord, we love you. Now we want to respond and worship, be honored with not, not just how we sing, but how we live tomorrow in your name.